Hi, Greg Perry, the Historic Preservationist. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 66. Um, This will be Part 2 of uh, the Secretary of the Interior's Standards for the Treatment of Historic Properties. And this episode is going to uh, concentrate on the area of restoration of historic properties. Um, And... uh, we're going to go through a list of the standards of restoration first, and that's how we're going to get moving with this. Let's pick it up. So, so the standards are for restoration. Number one, a property will be used as it was historically or will be given a new use which reflects the property's restoration period. Number two, materials and features from the restoration period will be retained and preserved. The removal of materials or alteration of features, spaces, spaces, and spatial relationships that characterize the period will not be undertaken. Number three, each property will be recognized as a physical record of its time, place, and use. Work needed to stabilize, consolidate, and conserve materials and features from the restoration period will be physically and visually compatible, identifiable upon close inspection, and property, properly documented for future research. Number four, materials, <coughs> features, spaces, and finishes that characterize other historical periods will be documented prior to their alteration or removal. Number five, distinctive materials, features, finishes, and construction techniques or examples of craftsmanship that characterize the restoration period will be preserved. Number six, deteriorated features from the restoration period will be repaired rather than replaced. Where the severity of deterioration requires replacement of distinctive feature, the new feature will match the old in design, color, texture, and where possible, materials. Replacement of missing features from the restoration period will be substantiated by documentary and physical evidence. A false sense of history will not be created by adding conjectural features features from other properties or by combining features that never existed together historically on this dwelling in question. Number eight. Chemical or physical treatments, if inappropriate, will be undertaken using the gentlest means possible, the most sympathetic. Treatments that cause damage to historic materials will not be used at all. Number nine, archaeological resources affected by a project will be protected and preserved in place. (coughs) If such resources must be disturbed, mitigation measures will be undertaken. Number 10, designs that were never executed historically will not be constructed. (coughs) When the property's design, architectural or historical significance during a particular period of time outweighs the potential loss (coughs) of extent materials, features and spaces and finishes that characterize other historical periods, 
When there is substantial physical and documentary evidence for the work, and when contemporary alterations and additions are not planned, restoration may be considered as a treatment. Prior to undertaking work a particular period or time, for example, the restoration period itself, should be selected and justified, and a documentation plan for restoration developed, rather than maintaining and preserving a building as it has evolved over time. The express goal of the standards for restoration and guidelines for restoring historic buildings <coughs> is to make the building appear as it did at a particular and most significant time in history. First, those materials and features from the restoration period are identified based on thorough historical research. Next, features from the restoration period are maintained, protected, repaired, for example, stabilized, consolidated, and conserved, and replaced if totally necessary, as opposed to other treatments <clears throat> that scope the work of restoration, which can include removal of features from other periods, missing periods from the restoration period may be replaced based on documentary and physical evidence using traditional materials <coughs> or compatible substitute materials. The final guidance emphasizes that only those designs that can be documented as having been built should be recreated in a restoration project. The guidance for the treatment restoration begins with recommendations to identify the form and detailing of those existing architectural materials. Thus, the guidance on identifying, <clears throat> retaining, and preserving features from the restoration period is always given first. The historic building's appearance may be defined by the form and detailing of its exterior materials such as masonry, wood, and metal. Exterior features such as roofs, porches, and windows. Interior mater materials such as plaster and paint, and interior features such as moldings and stairways, room configuration and spatial requirements, as well as structural and mechanical systems and the building's site and setting are also included. After identifying those materials, and features from the restoration period that must be retained in the process of the restoration work, then protecting and then maintaining them is addressed. Protection generally involves the least degree of intervention and is preparatory for the other work. For example, protection includes the maintenance of historic material through treatments such as rust removal, caulking, <coughs> limited paint removal, and reapplication of protective coatings. <clears throat> the cyclical cleaning of roof gutter systems or installation of fencing, alarm systems, and other temporary protective measures. <clears throat> Although historic building will usually require more extensive work, an overall evaluation of its physical condition should always begin at this level. Next, when the physical condition of restoration period features requires additional work, repairing by stabilizing, consolidating, 
and conserving is recommended. Restoration guidance focuses upon the preservation of those materials and features that are significant to the period. Consequently, guidance for repairing the ahistoric material, such as masonry, again begins with the least degree of intervention possible, such as strengthening fragile materials through consolidation when appropriate, and reporting with mortar of an appropriate strength. <clears throat> Repairing masonry as well as wood and architectural metals includes patching, splicing, or otherwise reinforcing them using recognized preservation methods. Similarly, portions of historic structural systems can be reinforced using contemporary materials, such as steel rods. In restoration, repair may also include the limited replacement in kind or with compatible substitute material of extensively deteriorated or missing parts of existing features when there are surviving prototypes to use at what would be called a model. Examples could include terracotta brackets, wood balusters, or even cast iron fencing. <clears throat> In restoration, replacing the entire feature from the restoration period, for example, a cornice, balustrade, column, or stairway that is too deteriorated to repair may be appropriate. Together with documentary evidence, evidence, the form and detailing of the historic feature should be used as a model for the replacement. Using the same kind of material is preferred. <clears throat> However, compatible substitute material may be considered. All new work should be unobtrusively dated to guide future research and treatment options. <clears throat> if documentary and physical evidence are not available to provide an accurate re recreation of missing features, the treatment rehabilitation may be a better option approach to the overall project. Most buildings represent continuing occupancies and changes over time, but in restoration, the goal is to depict the building as it appeared at its most significant time in history. Thus, Work is included to remove or alter existing historic features that do not represent the restoration period. This could include features such as windows, entrances, and doors, roof dormers, or landscape features prior to alternating, <coughs> alternating or removing materials, features, spaces, and finishes that characterize other historical periods. They should be documented to guide future research and treatment options. Most restoration products and projects involve recreating features that were significant to the building at a particular time, but are now missing. Examples could include a stone balustrade, a porch, or cast iron storefront. Each missing feature should be <coughs> substantiated by documentary or physical evidence. Without sufficient documentation for these recreations, an accurate depiction cannot be achieved. Combining features that never existed together historically can also create a false sense of history. Using traditional materials <clears throat> to, pick, to depict lost features is always the preferred approach. However, using compatible substitute material is an acceptable alternative in restoration because, as emphasized, the goal of this treatment is to replicate 
the appearance of the historic building at a particular time, not to retain and preserve all historic materials as they have evolved over time. If documentary and physical evidence are not available to provide an accurate recreation or missing features, the treatment rehabilitation may be a better overall approach to project work. The sections of the restoration guidelines address the work done to meet accessibility standards and health and safety code requirements or limited retrofitting measures to improve energy efficiency. Although this work is quite often an important aspect of restoration projects, it is usually not part of the overall process of protecting, stabilizing, conserving, or repairing features from the restoration period. Rather, such work is assessed for its potential negative impact on the building's historic appearance. For this reason, particular care must be taken not to obscure, damage, or destroy historic material or features from the restoration period in the process of undertaking work to meet code or energy requirements. Excuse me. <laughs> So let's talk about standards of reconstruction. Number one, reconstruction will be used to depict <coughs> vanished or non-surviving portions of a property when documentary or physical evidence is available to permit, to permit accurate reconstruction with minimal conjecture, and such reconst uh, reconstruction is essential to the public understanding of what the, pop the, what the property once was. Number two, reconstruction of a landscape, building, structure, or object in its historic location will be preceded by a thorough archaeological investigation to identify and evaluate those features and artifacts which are essential to an accurate reconstruction. If such resources must be disturbed, mitigation measures will be undertaken. Number three, Reconstruction will include measures to preserve any remaining historic materials, features, and spatial relationships. Number four, <clears throat> reconstruction will be based on the accurate duplication of historic features and elements substantiated by documentary or physical evidence <clears throat> rather than on the conjectural designs or the availability of different features from other historic properties. A reconstructed property will recreate the appearance of the non-surviving historic property materials design, color, and texture that was involved. Number five, a reconstruction will be clearly identified as a contemporary recreation. De number six, designs that were never executed historically will not be constructed. So when a contemporary depiction is required to understand and interpret a property's historic value, which includes the recreation of missing components in a historic district or site, when no other property with the same associate va value has survived, and when sufficient historical documentation exists to ensure an accurate reproduction, reconstruction may be considered as a treatment at that point. Prior to undertaking work, 
a documentation plan for reconstruction should be developed. Whereas the treatment, <clears throat> whereas the treatment um, restoration provides guidance for restoring or recreating building features, the standards for reconstruction and guidelines for reconstructing historic buildings addresses those aspects of treatment necessary to recreate an entire non-surviving building with new material. And something like that would be considered like the, uh, the City Tavern in Philadelphia, which was totally built from just the foundation up, or Williamsburg basically is an entire recreation. So much like restoration, the goal is to make the buildings appear as it did at a particular and its most significant time in history. The difference is, it's, in its reconstruction, there are far less extent historic materials prior to treatment, and in some cases, nothing is even visible. Because of the potential for historic error in the absence of sound physical evidence, this treatment can be identified only rarely and thus is the least frequently undertaken. Documentation requirements prior to the following work may be very, very stringent by the board. Documentation requirements prior to the following work will require many measures to be taken to preserve the extent historic surfaces and subsurface materials are made of. Finally, the reconstructed building must be clearly identified as a contemporary recreation which I don't find a lot of that in Williamsburg, if any at all. It's not, uh, but, you know, these are not recognized as national historic landmarks. But unfortunately, too many people, I think, that go to Williamsburg think that these are actual buildings that existed there when they're total recreations. So guidance for the treatment, reconstruction begins with researching and documentation of the building's historical significance to ascertain that its recreation is essential to the public's understanding of this property in question. Often, another extent historic building on the site or in a setting can adequately explain the property, together with other interpretive aids. Justifying a reconstruction requires detailed physical and documentary evidence to minimize or eliminate conjecture and to ensure that the reconstruction is as accurate as possible. Only one period of significance is generally identified. A building, as it evolved, is rarely recreated. During this important fact-finding stage, if research does not provide adequate documentation for an accurate reconstruction, another interpretive model should be considered, such as an explanatory marker. <clears throat> Investigating archaeological resources is the next area of guidance in the treatment of reconstruction. The goal of physical research is to identify features of the building and site which are essential to an accurate recreation and must be reconstructed while leaving those archaeological resources that are not essential to be undisturbed. Information that is not relevant to the project should be preserved in place for future research. The archaeological findings together with archival documentation are then used to replicate the plan of the building together with relationships in the size of rooms, corridors, and other spaces and spatial relationships. 
closely aligned with archaeological research, recommendations are given for identifying, protecting, and preserving extent features of the historic building. It is never appropriate to base a reconstruction upon conjectural designs of the availability of different features from other buildings. Thus, any remaining historic materials and features, such as remnants of a foundation or chimney, and site features, such as a walkway or path, should be retained where practicable and incorporated into the reconstruction. The historic as well as the new materials should be carefully documented and guide for future research and treatment. And I find too often that <clears throat> when someone's trying to restore or preserve a historic building, they say, well, yes, yeah, some other buildings you know, were made possibly, possibly by the same builder or series of builders in the same time period in the proximity. That has nothing to do with the building in question. So that's total, total conjecture. So after the research and documentation phases, guidance is given for reconstruction work itself. Exterior and interior features are addressed in general, always emphasizing the need for an accurate depiction. For example, careful duplication of the appearance of historic interior paints and finishes, such as stenciling, marbling, and maybe even graining. So in the absence of extent historic materials, the objective in reconstruction is to recreate the appearance of the historic building for interpretive purposes only. So thus, while the use of traditional materials and finishes is always preferred, in some instances, substitute materials may be used if they're able to convey the same visual appearance. While non-visible features of the building are concerned, such as interior structural systems or mechanical systems, it is expected, and <clears throat> it is expected that contemporary materials and technology will be employed. So recreating the building site should be an integral aspect of project work. The initial archaeological inventory of subsurface and above-ground remains is used as documentation to reconstruct landscape features such as walks, roads, fences, benches, and foundations. So that uh, ties us up. Uh, so sorry for, I think, uh, talking a bit, uh, quite a bit today for the coughing episode. But again, if you want to find... Uh, some visuals of me, the historic preservationist Greg Perry, on site in the studio. Um, it could be in museums, um, in house house uh, collection settings. Then follow us at the historic preservationist, all one word, lowercase, uh, IGTV, or the historic preservationist, one word, lowercase, uh, on our YouTube channel and on Instagram the historic preservationist. So Greg Perry signing out. Thanks everyone for listening to uh, part two.